0: How's it, everyone? Welcome to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. On this podcast, you will find uniquely South African digital content brought to you from a local perspective across the industry. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Let's Talk Digital. Today, we are talking about the attention economy and its effect on media. And with me in the studio, I have the MD of Career Possibilities, Donald Mukhali. Yebo. How's it, Donald? How Ah, are you doing? Very
1: well, thank you, Audrey. How are you doing?
0: I'm great, thanks. Thank you very much. So good to have you here with us.
1: I am completely honored. I've been following the series, as you know. And I'm a big fan. So it's a, it's a massive honor to be here, especially with uh, some of the giants you've had in these seats before me.
0: Well, I consider you one of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm humbled.
0: Yes. So let's get down to business.
1: <laughs> we are going to provoke some thought today, aren't we?
0: Yes, we are. Yeah. So, Donald, tell us a little bit more about yourself. And um, I love asking my guests these questions is, what keeps you awake at night?
1: Oh, man. So I am... A township-born black, young, funky, spunky South African man who is in love with colours, art, fashion, music, uh, and I'm a professional poet uh, and MC, um, and I love theatre. I grew up uh, acting in theatre. I love reading. I love having deep philosophical conversations about ontology, about psychoanalytic theory, across. Africa and and how the diasporic people are similar in many ways, and how our relationship with technology and um, I think some of the human struggles we have are more similar than they are different across different continents. I love art, I love food, I'm a foodie, I love wine, I'm learning about wine, I'm learning about food and wine pairing. And some of the things that keep me awake at night, I think, for me are probably. Firstly, our you know South African politics and economy, where we are, and and how, what we can do to improve, particularly the young people because that's the future, and 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 their, their education, the education uh, system of our country. The the other thing is obviously because I'm I'm a, I'm a advertising and media professional, it's where the industry is going, what we're doing wrong, uh, where we can improve, um, bringing in talent. So that's another thing that that keeps me awake at night is how do we develop young talent because there's a massive gap between you know, the, the older, more mature marketers, media gurus and the younger professionals, there's a massive gap, how do we bridge that gap? And then and then lastly, it's, it's probably around, how do we drive um, accountability and efficiencies across across media, uh, across all media channels, and how do we push the boundaries? How do we be more hyper relevant and innovative for the South African landscape? I think there's a lot of insights that exist in South Africa that are not showing on research. Uh, and datasets, and I and I'm passionate about unearthing those and really taking advantage of them.
0: We've we spent the last decade talking about attention economy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's let's start from the beginning. Yes. What is the attention economy? So I think
1: this uh, the best way to summarize the attention economy is probably the amount of time that a consumer pays to. A particular piece of content. So the way that the way that it's set up is, I think we should probably take a, a step back. So, so media prides itself in being able to to place the right message to the right person at the right time. Uh, and in order for that to happen, there, there needs to be data that informs the decisions. So what's happening is the emergence of technology, uh, the emergence of um, tech. Um, and, and new content has affected consumers. Obviously, media fragmentation has led to the the place where now consumers have become averse to advertising. So they've become a little bit turned off. Um, if anything, the of technology has now enabled them to actually switch it off, to opt out, to skip it. So we're now in a space, and so the, the phrase attention economy is one that frames it as a result of the analysis that the, the way that consumers are behaving towards tech and advertising in particular is such that they are now turned off. They actually don't really want to see advertising unless it's very entertaining or unless there's a utility function, unless it's very relevant. So the attention economy really is trying to describe the fact that this new change in tech and media fragmentation is, is leading us to a space where now we're actually competing against the attention. And so the consumers uh, we're, were fighting for the attention of the consumers. Uh, and so, so there's a lot of research that's been done around the space. Uh, and it, whilst it's in its initial phases, the findings are incredibly important. And I think that's what we will unpack today. So the attention economy essentially is how much attention do consumers pay to advertising nowadays with media fragmentation and technology?
0: So, you know what, when I look at media strategies, uh, we always... Um, need to consider the a day in the life of a consumer. Mm-hmm. And I find that a mm. very effective exercise to do. Spot on, yeah. Because exactly. when we look at the attention economy, it's not only talking about digital. Yes. We're talking about every touch point every. that a customer is exposed to 100%. at any given time of the day. Yep. And now that digital makes it 24-7, mm. it makes it even worse for brands to actually be... Grabbing that attention, hundred
1: percent. In fact, it, it, I like the way you, you worded that. So, on average, if you think about when you wake up in the morning, depending on uh, how addicted you are to your mobile device, that's usually the first thing people go to, right? Mm. Um, think about the amount of messages in a day that you receive. So, from from your mobile device to your newspaper, to the TV if you switch it on at home, to Alexa if you've got one, um, to radio when you drive to work, to the billboards, the digital billboards, the street pole ads. By the time you get to the office I mean you would have received an access of at least a thousand messages and and so all of them are vying for your attention and so my one of the questions we need to start asking ourselves now is the relative value of media in that space and its effectiveness um, and so for me some of the things that then immediately merge in the conversation is things like the power of creative. Uh, And I think now in, in the age of media fragmentation, creative has not been more important than it, than it is today because that's actually the thing that helps us cut through the clutter.
0: Where do you see uh, creative in its current state? And if you're looking at the attention economy, Mm. where should creative be transitioning to?
1: Mm. I think first and foremost, where I see creative today is that it firstly needs to be data led. We're, we're now in a space where a lot of media and media strategy and media uh, placements are all data-led. So it's all about where the consumers are, how they travel through media, how they you know traverse through their, their lives on a daily basis. And, and we, we make selection placements on that data. But the problem then is also that how we understand their behaviors, their interests and their passion points needs to also be data-led. So that we marry the two data sets together where we're seeing a holistic data-led marketing ecosystem, as it were. So at the moment, I think where we are is, there's a little bit of that, but I think mostly we rely on, on the human truth, which is obviously not a bad thing because um, when 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 it's correct, it really lands. But the problem is also that we we then um, finding ourselves in a space where we become generic in our creative. And that's why very few creative campaigns really stick out because a lot of them are pretty much generic because they're not really basing it on hardcore data. So I think where it needs to move to is is data, and then of course, uh, this is probably going to excite you. Is AI is where we start letting it learn and respond to the stimuli or the behavior of the consumers online, as an example, uh, and it starts creating. Issues. So there was an experiment that was done in London in 2014 that was done by um, PosterScope London, and what they did is they pretty much did a digital out-of-home bus shelter in the middle of London. And what they did is they they created an algorithm that studied. So they put various creatives, copy sizes, fonts, colors, images, stock images... And, and then they had self-facing cameras towards the consumers. So what they did is they studied the, the emotive and facial responses of the consumers to the adverts or the creative that they were seeing. And what it started doing is it started learning what they, what they, were, what they were liking, what it started responding. respond. So after a week, they then started to see patterns. So they noticed, interestingly, that people responded really well to bright, bold colors, um, to, to heart, like hearts and heart shapes, to a bolder font. Um, non-cursive like linear uh, so these are some of the th- so i think that's where it's ultimately going to move to where you know there's a there's a slight risk of creative agencies being a little bit obsolete in some instances because those portions need to be taken over by ai because it will be basing it on actual consumer behavior and, and what you know what consumers are doing in situ and in real time so that's where i see creative um in in
0: future so you bring up some very interesting points and i'm just going to pause because I think some of them are important for us to acknowledge. You speak about the flaws in creative currently, Mm. but let's talk about what is the role of media and creative, because Mm. creative cannot work in isolation of media. 100%. So the gap for me in the industry, especially in South Africa, Mm. is that we have silo mentality even within our agency partners. Yes that are not actually integrating for me it speaks around the agency model yeah that somehow flawed yeah yeah so that is the first thing yep. and i think let's let's just chat around that sure and then i have sure. other points to bring up thereafter
1: sure so i think spot on certainly uh, a flawed way of working um and interestingly part of it is also client-led because of the way that those services are procured so what we're finding so if you if you go back a couple of years when traditional agencies still had everything for house through the line, you would have one agency doing everything. And so everything was already integrated. But then what started happening is the separation happened when people were starting to focus on specializations. So a media would focus heavily on media and they'd create a science and a framework around it and they'd be brilliant at it. And then you'd find a creative that broke out and really dug into their method of creating creative and they and they, and they broke out. So what ha- ended up happening is, as a client, you are now spoiled for choice and you wanted the best of the best in every single field. So you'd pick the best media agency that, that specialized in media and then the best creative agency, but then the ways of working were, were broken. So nobody really figured out the best way of working. But... What happened then is there was an, a lead agency model. And because a lot of the time, especially back in the days, the, the creative agency was given more importance because of the com strats and the fact that they were giving you the go-to-market com strategy. So how you look in market, how you communicate on pamphlets, how you communicate internally. So because they were in charge of that, they were given more precedent. So they were given the, the bigger the bigger relationship. So what ended up happening is when the briefings happened, they would be briefed first, the creative would be created first, before the media, the media would plug into it, so media became secondary for the most part. And so that's where it gets broken for me. Where I've seen massive success is is when it's media led, because the media has got the most data, whereas creative doesn't, right? Like I said, the way that the current creative is being done is just qualitative research, focus groups, etc., cetera, etc. That leads them to what they feel is the best or cool idea. Sometimes when they come up with a cool idea, they'll go, "Yeah, we need to sell this to this particular category," and hopefully plug some media into it. Where there's a media agency led relationship, it's data led first about the consumer. Then the creative gets briefed then 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 creative works around the media channels and the selection um based on the business objectives right so and i I've, and I've, there's a, a number of cases of clients who've done this and have not only successfully increased sales they've also won awards from the media and a media and a creative point of view because that's where they they found the balance but this is obviously very difficult so at the moment it's partly a flawed agency model, and secondarily it's also the way that clients structure the relationship and the way that they procure the services that that lead to that that siloed mentality so where clients get it right is when they are media-led. They're media-led first thinking. And we're seeing a lot of success across the globe of media-led first organizations. Unilever is one of them. GSK is one of them. I'm forgetting the other Unilever's competitor now. But they're also doing phenomenal in that space. p and They're doing phenomenal, especially across Africa as well, because they're, they're media-led first. They want to know what's the data saying, what's the consumer. Then we go, okay, now that we know the data which is real it's, it's empirical it's not it's not anecdotal you guys must then conceptualize around this because we know this for a fact and and so in those in those instances we're seeing some massive successes so i think that's where we need to challenge clients and industry uh giants like yourselves to really help us drive that level of thinking and change across the industry
0: i'm going to challenge you on that thought yeah, yeah. simply because i don't think that being media led is is the ideal solution and hear me out okay From my experience on what I've seen happening on the media side is that it becomes very much a channel-led. And I think that we need a middle ground for creative and media to work optimally. Mm. And that is being Mm. customer-led. So when you speak about data for me, you're spot Mm. on. Mm. But... Put the customer at the center and then saying based on these insights Mm. and the data that we have Mm. how should creative and media start working together to come up with the right formula of how to go to market yeah either being creative led or media led i don't think that Mm. would be an ideal situation i think
1: i think i think i think you worded it so much better audrey i think what i was probably trying to say is is to be data-led Right And, and, and I, can, I think you nailed it even more by saying customer-led, because the customer must always be at the center. Uh, and I think you're spot on, you nailed it. I think that's actually where the magic happens, when you are customer-led, when you understand the customer, what their needs are, what, what it is they're looking for. And then you address that um, with the power of media and, and creative collectively. I think you nailed it, Audrey. I agree
0: 100%. Okay, cool. The second thing that I wanted to talk about yes. is AI, machine learning. Yes, so for me, what's interesting is the power of tech, and I'm talking about a media buying perspective, yes. and this, this actually correlates with what we spoke about now in terms of being data led. Right. I mean, I'm just going to take an example because right. I'm most familiar with Google marketing platform. Sure. That the power of that tech is untapped mm. and its potential mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for us to actually look at media consolidation across the board, across the board, and this is where we start talking talking about ecosystem thinking right yes, yes that that breaks down the silos yes we we understand the audience across different across platforms the channels, yeah. the channels yeah, yeah. but The thing is, we need to shift from just buying media and spend more time analyzing it. Mm,
1: To better understand. So
0: what are are the things that are actually coming out of this media Mm, buy mm. from a consolidated viewpoint? But the power of AI, machine learning, actually makes it easier for optimization to happen. Correct. Because the machine will learn what you would feed it, Mm -hmm. and then it starts working by itself. Oh, yes, exactly. So your inputs... The quality of your inputs determine determine <laughs> the quality of your output, which then we'll move away from vanity metrics, yes. yeah, impressions, and clicks.
1: You know what? I, I like that you raise that point because part of looking at the attention economy is also exactly that: is going are the are these metrics really optimal? Are are they actually how we should be looking at measuring the effectiveness of media uh, and marketing and our investments? Part of the challenges we have, Audrey, I think, in our industry is... So back to what you said about the quality of your input. If I get a brief, right? If I get a brief that isn't thinking along those lines to begin with, and I'm getting a a brief that just simply is trying to get the message out there, then the work that needs to be done to get to a point where I can fully maximize the capability of a GMP, it becomes minimized because the brief i'm getting is here the gmp capability is here and so i'm you know operating at at, at this which is which is difficult and I'm, I'm not saying like one particular client i'm saying in general as, as far as uh, some of the campaigns we've seen it's also the quality of the shit in shit out kind of thing so it's it's difficult sometimes to get it to that level and i think we must give a little bit of credit in terms of um what, what you have done in your space with regards to taking advantage of gmp and the consolidation as you know you're probably one of the first in the country to have done that and there's a reason for it is because the marketing sophistication in South Africa is just not there yet. There's still a lot of education and the capability that we all need to be doing in that space. And so so I think it'll take some time, but I think it gave a lot of hope for the rest of us to see that level of consolidation being done in our market. Because there are certain instances where we're sitting global first. And I think every time we think global, we don't, we don't think South Africa. We always think, you know, UK, we always think uh, US, Australia, but actually, you know, we are doing and delivering some 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 world first, even in the programmatic space. So back to your point, I think being data-led will absolutely eliminate these vanity matrices that we're looking at. And I think more importantly, I think we need to start looking at, like for instance, the study that was done around the attention economy says that a partially viewed ad is probably better than an ad that's not seen at all. And they've also picked up in the research that some of it has even led to sales as well. So, So now the metrics that they're proposing in the study is... They call it mean attention, which is, you know, the full attention, the full eyes. Then they call it um, partial attention, which is when you are seeing uh, when your eyes are not on the ad itself, but uh, around the ad. And then, of course, you know, um, the last one is obviously the one you don't want, which is avoidance, full avoidance. So they're saying partial avoidance at this point in time in the attention economy is better than full avoidance because now we're in a space obviously where our consumers are skipping ads and even when you are carry will love this when you are placing the ads that you can't skip, they they look away. Right? They, they 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 look at something else until 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 the ad is finished. And so so the way that we are measuring the effectiveness of media, I think, is is something that needs to be challenged and re-looked at.
0: That brings me to my next question. Yeah. Can all impressions be considered equal? <laughs> I know you're waiting <laughs> for this question. Oh my
1: goodness <laughs> Uh, I think it depends. I'm going to take a a quick step back and say, at the moment we're in the media industry, we're finding ourselves where a lot of media strategy planning, buying is procurement-led. So a lot of the businesses and clients we work with are completely procurement-led, where it's all about the efficiency of the buy, how cheaply I can get it. And so a study was done recently, comparative, uh, by Google, where they said that we are actually the ones that are buying the cheapest and, and by default, buying the the, the least quality uh, of buyers, programmatically speaking that is. So there was a programmatic study, a, a comparison done across markets and South Africa was one that seen where we chase the low cost and don't always get the best quality. And the thing that's leading to that is we're at a pitch level being pushed to, to get the best possible pricing. So we are basically battling against each other to get the best price.
0: Okay for me Quality equals value Right So it's that value exchange Yes We cannot buy Even premium inventory If we're not getting The value back To the brand
1: 100%
0: So how are we holding Publishers accountable For those KPIs That drive business revenue That's a question We should be asking That is an
1: ongoing conversation Even as we speak Yeah absolutely So part of it Because we A would have As an example At an agency level Committed to certain Cost guarantees We then have to Buy against those Cost guarantees However we need to Get the best possible of under those circumstances. So that's the conversations we're then having saying, but you can't give me low quality just because the cost guarantee is low. And so we're then having a full-on ecosystem conversation around how can we make sure that the value is still delivered. But the problem for me with this entire conversation is I'm already on the back foot because I'm basing it on low cost. Whereas if we're going to compare whether or not all impressions are equal, we can only do that if the impressions we're, all, we're buying across channels are high quality to begin with. So the challenge becomes we're we're now not in a space where we're buying high quality impressions across all channels if the way you're measured in terms of delivery is against pricing
0: i'm going to ask you this question yes how do you define quality so how do you define quality Impressions. Right,
1: so so for me, a quality impression would be an impression that delivers against the exact target audiences and against the business objective that you've set for the campaign. So a quality impression would be let's use an example for let's say a banking client, um, and in the business unit that you're looking at is CEOs, and you're buying against that audience. So the audience is a CEO, high net worth individual, and you are promoting an event at, at World Economic Forum. And so if that's the objective, you're trying to promote the event and um, get them to, let's say sign up and be on the guest list. So if that's the objective, Um, a a quality impression for me would be the ceo um or an impression that's been served to an audience that fits that exact um profile that clicks on signs on and and ends up on the on the the guest list obviously that's result however quality impression is what enabled that result to happen so for me a quality impression would be placing accurately against that and you being able to track that when you are doing your analytics
0: so not necessarily viewable impression
1: here we go so the viewability component oh my goodness so as you know in the in, and i know you read this um in the study the 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 research says that the viewability of and and now you're going to bring up the hundred pixels right the, the viewability of of the ad is equally as important so the the mc is it mcr um i'm trying to remember now there's a there's an organization it's mrc right mrc, MRC. so they've pretty much set the benchmark saying that for a, a digital or a video ad to be viewable there needs to be 100 pixels right so it needs to be completely you know viewable so on tv a tv ad is basically it's got 100 pixels it's completely viewable yes. whereas on mobile because you're scrolling and and, and sometimes you know it's 100 percent viewable so viewability becomes a really critical component to it but i think if your creative is optimized for for them for the mobile and the environment um, it, it will allow it'll, it'll ensure that you 've thought about viewability so viewability is absolutely key, so the research is saying that fifty percent or fifty pixels um, pretty much deliver half the result in the effectiveness and and so so viewability becomes a critical thing, and i think that 's a very good point. I almost left it out as part of a quality impression. it has to be a hundred percent viewable as well and so in an instance where you are being pressured by cost, I think that 's where the two sometimes don 't always coincide uh, and so What we should actually be focusing on as an industry And back to your point is Is the value and the quality of the Of the the impressions over just The low cost Um, So yeah, so a 100% viewable Impression has to be it's part of the uh, the quality of of a high quality uh, impression.
0: Remember, yeah. you're saying this in public now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, no, hundred so. percent. look, ultimately, this is these are the conversations we need to have as an industry, mm. and we need to always be challenging each other on on, on these on these various and these various points. Because, Absolutely. Because ultimately, we our job is to deliver the best value and quality for our clients. And so, if 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 the publishers aren't doing that, if 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 the networks aren't delivering that, that's where we need to reach. And that's why mm. I think. The attention economy, which is kind of the, I suppose, the next phase of where we're going in in the in the landscape of media fragmentation, these are some of the matrices we need to think about um, when we are talking about quality impressions, viewable impressions, um, as well as what value we are going to associate with that.
0: So I think the attention economy is toxic. Okay, because we talk about. Let's push content. We need content marketing. Right. And then we, we've got so much of fake news. Right. And then we have the excessive power of giant social media platforms. I mean, right. let's look at, look at what uh, Netflix, they're yes. disrupting the attention model.
1: Completely. So
0: I think we spent the last decade on the attention model, right? right? Everybody is talking about the attention economy. Right. We've done with that now. Okay. So now we need to ask ourselves. What comes after the attention economy is like how should we be looking at consumers in a more contextual way that we deliver relevant, high quality, um, results driven ad formats, whatever. So from my my point of view, we shouldn't be doing volumes of ad formats. Mm. So how does your media schedule, your media strategy change now to say, Less is better. Right. Less is more impactful. Yes, less and is more. Less is more. Right. So we need to actually change our, our mind shift because I think we've like this has like become a cliche <laughs> of the attention economy. And I hear you. If we if you're not in 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 that in that wave yes. when the trend is happening, yes, yes, we now need to say shift mindset. What's, what's going to happen next? And, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Sure,
1: sure. So sure. I'm sure
0: you've considered it at I've, some point. I've
1: got a number of thoughts about it. And I think it depends also on, like, who's your target audience, right? So I think we need not make the mistake of homogenizing audiences and their relationship with technology, right? So in the South African context, 90 plus percent of, of the audiences, are, we're talking black low income, so the masses, right? So the masses are still on feature phone, right? And they, there's, a, there's still that slow, but progressive uptake of of, of smartphones. So there's be, now we're seeing um, manufacturers like OPPO who are disrupting the smartphone space where they're creating smartphones that are very cheap. So bringing really massive accessibility to technology, even in the mass space, mm. which means now the way that we understand those low end consumers and their, their relationship with smart or the internet in this instance, completely changes. but they're, they're still not as sophisticated with what the middle and higher LSM people are who, have, who are starting to voice search more, which is quite an interesting thing now, right? So I think we need to take all of that into context first as a starting point to go, okay, where are we in South Africa? How do people consume media in South Africa? Uh, how do the masses behave? That's a starting point. Do they, because uh, we, we, we could easily make the mistake of over-engineering the process and thinking everybody is at a sophisticated level, whereas actually... People still watch, you know, Isidingo. People still watch Generations on TV uh, and they watch the Omnibus on Saturdays, right? So so I think it's, it's completely understanding the landscape that you're in and, and adhering to that. So then secondly, which businesses or what's your personal business objective? What are you trying to achieve and who are the audiences your business speaks to? And so who buys your product? And then from there, we then need to build a landscape around how they behave, how they consume. So let's say... Um, you've been chasing the attention wave against those audiences. And now we need to start thinking about less is more because I think you're spot on around the less is more component because everybody's doing the more, 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 more in multiple formats. And of course, there's research that backs up how that works, but only when the creative is done right, you know, by platform and and the optimizations are done correctly. But for me, I think less is more challenges the norm because um, we're trying to do so much across multiple platforms Um, And I think sometimes we get lost and we end up not even, you know, hitting our objectives. We end up not even knowing what we're doing. We're just trying to send up, it's push marketing, sending messages. So I think the next wave, I think you've already touched on it. I think it's doing less is more. Uh, So being more focused, being more targeted, but being hyper relevant in those spaces. Um, And I think driving the most intuitive customer experience um, or user experience um, possible. I think that that is that is the next wave. I think there's so much power in customer and user experience. And I think we don't do enough work in that space. Uh, we do take it for granted. And I've, and I've we've had multiple jokes with some of the digital marketing gurus who speak about how <laughs> the ad, from a re- marketing point of view, just follows you everywhere, right? And it irritates you. Uh, and, and so it's about in, thinking about that user journey and maximizing it and ensuring that, that it's hyper-relevant. Doing, you know, less is more, uh, being hyper relevant taking into, into consideration consumer journey and user experience and I think the last the last one uh, but definitely not least is is value um, what value are you adding to a, to the consumer because ultimately for me to to buy your product there needs to be actual inherent value in it and so selling works when you know that what you're selling actually has value to add to your consumer and so so value i think If we focus on less is more being hyper relevant and ensuring that we take into consideration customer experience and user experience and and, and demonstrating value to the consumer, I think that's the next wave. I think that's where that's the next kind of wave um, that that we need to focus on.
0: I really like the way you summarized (laughs) this whole conversation and nicely put, Uh, I completely agree with you that there is a role to play from a client perspective Mm. because you can have the best media out there, but yeah. it can fail fast mm. if you don't actually complement it with the right consumer experience. 100%. So when the customer wants to engage with you, you need to be present, you need to be available. Yes. So if, if we make that mistake, then we're dead in the water. Yep. And the second thing I think from everything that you said is that we need to look at our omni-channel presence the customer has a choice yes against the power is in the customer's hands yes we can't actually dictate the customer to say you will go digital right and then some of your value in terms of driving KPIs is online to offline exactly and then the role of traditional and I'm and I'm gonna say traditional in our sense of the world of above the line, yes. media is, is still very relevant and pertinent and, and I think it'll always have its place. Mm. The thing is how do you do that media mix modeling? Yes. To get the correct complement of right. media, but then if we if we change our perspective and put the customer at the center of what we do yes. and and actually start and not only engaging closely with creative mm-hmm. But brand creative and media needs to work in a line And almost work in harmony mm. So there's this disharmony going on here 100%. And you have a lot of legacy systems Like procurement and everything That dictates how you operate Oh my god You need to break that down, Donald Talk to them,
1: Audrey <laughs> <laughs> You talk to them
0: <laughs> You are the expert Oh
1: my god Listen, you nailed it yeah. You you nailed it So part of our stumbling blocks is exactly that is legacy systems um i think even the way that we are set up as organizations is a little bit flawed because okay so you've awarded the business to this creative agency that media agency i think part of your demands as a client should be guys you now need to going forward work in a central space and and you you place both teams in a central space so either they they work from the client's offices and you demarcate space there and that becomes a new way of working and they literally become stationed there 24 7 because ultimately both partners need to understand live and breathe your business right that's the first that's the first point
0: i agree with you sorry for interrupting sure. but you if that's a quick win that's that's what, a quick win, right? that is something a discipline that should be started like now, right now. i'm surprised that people are, are not even doing it yeah, so th- if you can get that right
1: yeah i think especially on 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 accounts where you know people are dedicated Um, however, I think the only way that'll work as well is if, is if, um, the, you know, there's from a structural point of view that that organization isn't structured in a way that would be impeding of that kind of process. So if there's, you know, multiple units within that, that, that organization, that would be a little bit more difficult. However, if, you know, if there's a singular kind of unit and there's one focus, I think it'll be easier. That's the first quick one. I think the second one is also how do we ensure that ultimately the thing that determines the marketing strategy is the consumer, not a cost guarantee, not just the pressures of driving efficiencies, but rather what's best for the customer now. Because remember, the media landscape is ever changing. Technology is ever changing. So whilst we might have agreed on a cost guarantee last year, this year, a new piece of technology emerges and it changes the way it consumes media completely.
0: Like third party cookies. There we go.
1: <laughs> right. That immediately changes the landscape. And now mm. I, I must reconstruct the way that I go to market. So. But I need to do what's best for the consumer and, and, for, and for my client. So sometimes what I've agreed on in contract impedes on that. And so I think as businesses, we need to be also more fluid and more kind of attentive when it comes to these changes and, and really be more agile when it comes to these changes. And, and that those are the two, I think, major hindrances in our industry right now that I think if we got rid of, I think we would have a, you know, we would have more energy dispensed against making sure that there's better harmony between creative and media.
0: So, yes, that was really interesting insights coming out of that. In closing, what what would you like to say?
1: I would like to say that in the last, I suppose, decade and in the next, I suppose, five years, um, we're still playing and wrestling and competing in the consumer's attention economy. We're still fighting for their attention. And in so doing, I think what we are, where we're missing the mark is we are are not driving hyper-relevance. We are we are doing too much across too many platforms. We don't have the consumer at the heart. And I don't think we're data-led enough. I don't think there's enough synergies between media and creative. And and lastly, I think um, we're still operating in a space where, cons- where clients aren't even using their first-party data sets. Um, uh, and I think these are, until we fix these very, I think, simple basics, like if I'm a consumer of... I'll argue a particular car brand and I've got their car as as my personal vehicle. When I go online, the digital advertising that I see is speaking to me as if I'm not their consumer. Um, That is a problem, especially if I'm on their database, they know who I am. They send me email statements all the time. Yet when I go online, their advertising doesn't reflect any familiarity. Um, I think that is a problem. I think the fact that I can still go onto their website um, and I'm expected to fill in a form, and then if I move away and when I come back, i must start again, I think that's a problem. So I think there's so many basics we we still need to fix. Um, And I think we're we're dealing with a a landscape that needs to also take into account the South African context. And I think as marketers, we tend to run the mistake of being too sophisticated and forgetting that the majority of, 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 of the audiences in South Africa are still at a very base level. They're still very much TV led. Um, but I'm finding it interesting now that since the emergence of technology and second screening, we're starting to see the attention start to dwindle when it comes to linear TV and increase when it comes to, you know, um, in social and TV ads even on mobile devices. So I'm I'm seeing the adoption of technology changing the way consumers think and I think, we need to the only way to survive i think in this marketing landscape is to always follow the consumer always follow the consumer data and, and put them at the heart and i think that's as clients as agencies as creative agencies if all of us collectively focus on the consumer i think we will always we will always get the marketing right
0: so you hit the nail on the head. So collectively, mm. we all need to do our part. Mm. And um, so I'm optimistic about the future. Me too. Remember, we are on a journey. Yeah. In South Africa, we need to give credit that we're doing some things right. Yes. And we, we can't be mistaken that the rest of the world don't have the same challenges 100%. as we do. Yeah. So um, thank you so much coming to the show today it was a very stimulating conversation i thoroughly enjoyed it
1: thank you very much audrey you uh you challenged me quite a bit
0: (laughs) that's my job (laughs) that's your job
1: (laughs) i really enjoyed it i'm so honored to be here thank you so much audrey and uh i look forward to uh to hearing uh, what other work that you guys produce
0: no thanks a lot thank you thanks for tuning in today massive shout out to the infinity media team in Santon in sponsoring today's episode Don't forget to follow my Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Comment on this week's episode. Share your ideas and who knows, you could feature on the next one.